Hello and welcome back everybody, it's time for Customers Who Click. Uh, remember to head over to customerswhoclick.com for some exclusive content based on the podcast episodes and of course the entire back catalogue as well. Today's guest is David Morneau from Inbeat Agency. We're going to be talking about micro-influencer strategy and how you can use them for content crowdsourcing. Not UGC, not influencer marketing, but a source of high quality content for your social channels, advertising, product pages and wherever else you want to put it really. Let's hear from David now. Hi, David. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about you, uh, your background and kind of how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, a little bit about myself. We started as an SEO agency five years ago-ish and client came to us, asked us, you know, hey, can we dabble with this micro-influencer thing? We'd like to build a network of ambassador. Started, you know, looking at the process, looked very similar to link building, said, yeah, we can do it. Uh, later five years, uh, fast forward to make it short, uh, we're now running a fully, you know, uh, fully uh, fledged uh, micro-influencer marketing agency slash network. So that's where we're at today. And that's how we got into it. Um, that's a short story. It does seem quite a pivot. Yeah, I kind of get where, you, where you're coming from with the whole, it's similar to link building in that, I guess it's a lot of outreach and relationship building and that sort of thing. But uh, that still seems quite quite different to, to SEO. Yeah, it is. But I mean, where the, the, the similarities lay is really in the kind of like short sales cycle where, you know, you outreach, you negotiate, you onboard, and, you know, it's kind of the same kind of process with the guest posts where, you know, you get feedback and so forth. And it, it works almost in the same way, has a lot of the same, you know, uh, high level kind of uh, parameters, but there are subtleties, of course, that make it different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cool. So uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about a little bit about your approach to kind of micro-influencer strategy and maybe how it differs from just general influencer marketing, but also um, this content crowds. Yeah. Content crowdsourcing. Yes, that was great. Uh, yeah. A bit about that as well. Yeah, sure thing. So essentially we're, we look at that in, uh, in the following light in the sense that we've got uh, micro-influencers as the centerpiece of our kind of strategy. Uh, and micro-influencers can be used in one of three ways uh, under what we think is, is the best way to use them. The first one is really just, you know, the typical drive sales and awareness to your brand. The second is create content, which we will get into in much more details. And the third is really just, you know, market insights. So getting as much information out of these influencers to help us power our marketing decisions and product decisions. So those are the three ways that we see uh, micro-influencer as being, uh, uh, the, the, we see uh, the use of micro-influencers. Um, in terms of content creation, the way we see it is that we will use these micro-influencers slash creators to create content to power multiple channels across a, a brand's marketing team. So we're talking about email marketing, we're talking about paid media, we're talking about social media, right? So an example would be like, hey, we need recipe contents to um, put our product forward on our social media pages. Let's crowdsource that to a bunch of micro-influencers on TikTok and Instagram. And then, you know, that, that, that creates for you a content calendar in which you can just get amazing content on a consistent basis without having to think too much about it. What's cool about these micro-influencers is that they spend a lot of time on Instagram and TikTok um, and they, can, they know how to create great content that's engaging. So they understand attention. So you don't need to, you know, um, teach them that in a way. So that's really what's interesting about that. Yes. Um, do you want to just d define a micro-influencer for us? 
Yeah, so let's do that, right? Your social thing. So we see a micro influencer as anyone with uh, five thousand to twenty-five thousand followers on Instagram, on TikTok. We take that a bit further when we say hundred thousand to two hundred fifty thousand followers. TikTok just has more followers per user in general, so that's why we we bump it up a notch. Um, so anyone essentially that's trying to build a following or that's built an accidental following. Uh, that's spending a lot of time on social media. That's really the sweet spot. And then if their following gets too big, then you know the content angle stops making sense in this in a way that you start paying for their distribution a lot more. So they have less incentive to just create content for you. If that makes sense, right? If you have a million followers, all of a sudden your content asset is twenty percent of the deal value. The other eighty percent comes from the distribution. So it, it, the 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 kind of uh, the kind of ratio stops making sense. So in that range, in a hundred thousand to two hundred fifty thousand on TikTok, and on a five thousand to twenty-five thousand on Instagram, you know, it, it can create content, and content is eighty percent of the deal's value. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. Um, yeah, once once they get about above a certain size, yeah, I suppose they get more uh, sponsorship and advertising deals, and it makes more exactly. sense for them to just focus on their account, focus on them. Whereas before that, they are keeping themselves going with this content piece. 100%. While they are growing their account and trying to build themselves up. Exactly. So when we work on a content strict angle, so sometimes some of our clients just want to work really on the content angle, right? We we have built a network of creators that we re-collaborate with. So, you know, we've collaborated with 25,000 plus micro influencers to this point. So we know who's a good content creator with underrated value. And that's amazing to work with. Uh, ease of communication is one of those things that's underrated, but extremely important, especially if your content calendar or your paid media pipeline depends on these creators. Having creators that are not reliable is extremely harsh for all your teams, right? So we we use kind of that advantage where we've worked with so many creators that we know which creator is a good creator. And uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so what's, what, what is the best way of working with a micro-influencer? You know, what's... Um... You mentioned that obviously they are creators. They they know the platforms. They're good at creating engaging content. But obviously, from a brand side, you still want uh, well. Some brands want a lot of control, but you know you want at least a bit of control over the the brand message. And you know you still kind of want it on brand, I suppose. So, how, how do you work with with those influencers? What's a good way of making sure you don't kind of uh, get too involved? I suppose. Yeah. So that's always a tricky question, right? Because, you know, like, let's imagine someone takes your product and makes a video with it. Like, what are your brand expectations there, right? Like, let's say I just take your product and I'm like, hey, you know, drinking this uh, this uh, Starbucks coffee today, right? And then, you know, do you make a post? Like, there's no brand guidelines there, right? You're just like letting the user create the content. And if it's good, you're going to repurpose it. So it's always a, a fine line with like how much brand control you want, right? Or like how much authenticity you want. The way you described it there, though, is is more like just anyone, yeah, just grab it, grabbing a coffee, deciding to take a picture of it, and going in with it. But the difference in this case is the brand is paying for it. Yeah, exactly. And that's where that control comes in, I think. Yeah, I agree. And then you know, like, but you, you know, when you select one of these influencers, um, you see their content, right? You look at their content. You make sure that their content's on brand. Of course, there's do's and don'ts, like, you know, the typical stuff, like don't compare us to a competitor. Don't use, you know, uh, don't be vulgar about, you know, like there's like the basic stuff that you'll cover, right? But, you know, above common sense, right? It, it becomes like, well, you know, here's your creative freedom. Here's what we expect you to do in this piece of content. 
And here are some examples of content we really like. So like, feel free to go ahead with it. And bonus points, if you look in the influencer's feed and find content that they've created that you really like, so you can tell them, hey, this piece of content, we love it. You know, like, so they, they, it's something they've already created. So that's how we align the brand messaging as much as possible. Of course, there's brand guidelines, right? Like, don't say, don't say X or don't say Y. They're, brands all have guidelines all over the place, how they pronounce the name, right? So, you know, it, there's like, like, that's something that happens a lot, right? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've had to deal with that. We, I used to work for a company, um, a car sharing company, a bit like Zipcar. Mm-hmm. And um, the number of times we had people phone us up asking if we're Uber. Yeah, and I mean, t- t- to be honest, the name wasn't that similar to Uber. Yeah, but you, it was in cars, and it did have UBE. So, but you know, there are a few more letters. There was a Q in there. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's a, that's, that's a little concerning. But yeah, obviously, uh, you you want people to pronounce the name correctly. Exactly. So those are basic grand like guidelines, right? Yeah, those you'll put forward when you work with any influencer. Of course, you know the way we work on that front is like. We request pre-approval, right? You know, like, hey, you know, let, let us pre-approve the content, especially if the angle is content creation. If we're looking to build an ambassador network, we're much more, you know, grassroots in the approach where it's like, hey, you know, post, here's what we're looking for. If they post and we we see the post and we're like, hey, they didn't respect the guidelines, we send them a message. Hey, you forgot to use this hashtag, you know, or hey, don't use, don't capitalize the F in the name, right? You know, like stuff like that, but we won't. Does it tend to be like quite small mistakes like that? Exactly, exactly. Like kind of. I suppose, you know, some brands do have capitals that start, some don't, some might have capital right in the middle. So does that tend to happen quite a bit? Like they'll just, they just get that wrong. It happens all the time and we write it, we write it, we rewrite it, you know, but like, if you're going to have a hundred posts from these influencers, then there's bound to be like five to 10 mistakes. Like there is going to be five to 10 things you need to address. So that's just part of doing business with micro-influencers essentially. Have you had any kind of nightmare situations? So many. I mean, like, you know, it's just, no, but I mean, like you're, you're dealing with people receiving product, you know, product can arrive damaged. Like, what do you do in those situations? Uh, you know, in-store purchases, right? So like when that's another way we do it, some clients want to drive in-store sales, right? They're like, Hey, we're being sold in all Walgreens in the States. And we'd love Walgreens as a pharmacy line of pharmacy for those who don't know in your audience, uh, in the States. And then they're like, Hey, you know, we want to go there. And then we send the influencers there. And then influencer writes us up and they're like, Hey, there wasn't any product there available for us. You know, there, you can imagine all the logistic kind of crap that happens and we have to deal with it on a case per case basis. But yeah, it's just part of the game, I guess. Right. It's just like, Hey, our product wasn't in store. So, and then, you know, it gets crazy sometimes, you know, yeah, with Instacart as well, we Instacarted a lot of product from grocery stores to clients and then Instacart driver, doesn't sees that you know the exact product isn't there takes one of the competitors and says it's good enough and then we're like oh no that doesn't work and then you know it's just like <laughs> yeah you can see all the logis- yeah. logistical nightmares that can happen i mean it's just like building a process fine-tuning it based on the client's need and yeah that's about it and then you can you know product sizing and fashion is a huge component like oh it's too small it's too big and to reship it and so forth so yeah yeah cool so what, what would you say is just the most important thing with with micro influencers, is it that kind of creative freedom? Yeah, that definitely, definitely, and I I just love the creative freedom aspect. I think you can think about them as like a decentralized creative team that you can call into. Like that's how I love to think about micro influencers. 
like we've built a small network of creators exactly in that mindset of like, okay, these creators are really good at creating content. They're good at creating TikTok ads or product photography and so forth. And we want to give them as much creative freedom as possible, right? Let them take ownership of it. Like they are creative. They are good, right? And then you're going to get some bad content that you're not happy with, but you, you have two choices there, accept it or just ask them to remake it or whatnot. But, you know, and at the end of the day, you're going to end up with like a roster of top creators that just understand your brand. And you're going to have to give very little guidance to get great content back from them. And then at that point, you can just you can just cruise on autopilot, get tons of great content on a consistent basis for social media, email marketing, e-commerce, name it, right? All your channels. And yeah, it becomes really interesting at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when we spoke first a couple of weeks ago, probably. Um, you mentioned yeah. content crowdsourcing as well. Yeah. So is that is that actually separate or is that basically part of the micro-influencer strategy? So yeah, if, with some at some point in, in time, we're going to have to draw some lines between all these things. Like we can talk about affiliate, influencer, like, you know, these words all have like, you know, they yeah. all inter, interconnect, right? I mean, sorry, just just on, on that topic, I I did another interview recently about uh, affiliate marketing. Yeah, so and he started, he did start talking about influencers and said, "Well, influencers are affiliate marketing." Exactly, uh, exactly. And then it's like, what's the difference, right? But they're actually treated really differently. Yeah, I I don't know many businesses where the affiliate team handles the influencers. It's normally more yeah. of a they've either got an influencer team or they've got or it's social media or it's maybe yeah. PR. So affiliate, like the the typical affiliate, like some people in, in the affiliate space are are really driven towards just getting that sale, right? They'll just look through the share or sale kind of list of products for sale, and then you know they'll add products to their blog to make money on it. So like, I, there's like a very transactional nature to affiliate marketing that you don't see as much in influencer marketing, but the line is extremely blurry. Where an influencer can be an affiliate, and you know an affiliate can be an influencer, so. It's it's blurry. So yeah, but in regards to like crowdsourcing content, right? We, in that case, we look at, at the micro influencer, nano influencer, call it as you want. We just look at them as a creator, right? We look at them through the lens of a creator, but we 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 hypothesize that you know because they have five thousand to you know twenty five thousand followers on Instagram, or they have a bunch of followers on TikTok, then we they spend a lot of time on social media. And they get attention, right? That's the that's the premise to it. They get attention. So that makes them a super creator through our lens, right? People that understand attention and that can create good content. So we call them creators in that case. Like when we deal with like, you know, what we call our creator studio, like we call them creator, we refer to them as creators, but realistically, they are micro or nano influencers. And then if we and they 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 do have a small audience on Instagram or TikTok and or YouTube, even for that matter but they understand attention. That's really important. Like that's what I think distinguishes like the social media creator from like, you know, the studio content creator. It's just very, a different game. Yeah. It's, it's more about the, um, yeah, I guess the influencer creators have more, uh, maybe, well, maybe that's a bit unfair to say, but yeah, more focused on understanding the customer, the audience. They, they react, they, they, they fine tune their content approach based on likes and comments to their content on an ongoing basis. That's what they fine tune for. And that's, that's what creates engagement. And then they, they derive authenticity from there. And then brands can tap into that. Now, one of the problems we have a lot with brands is that, you know, it's hard for brands to really love 
raw user generated content right like they want something that feels more studio but that's right between studio and user generated content but the raw videos shot with like okay lighting and so forth perform so good it's ridiculous right you know these raw videos like people look at them and they don't feel like ads but like brands are, are are scared of these videos that misportray their brand that look too too raw that you know so it, it's hard it's a really hard yeah. line to trace whereas like where's studio where you get almost no engagement on studio quality content people see it as an ad they dismiss right automatically and then then there's like raw like you know over the over like you know bad lighting and then but like the thing goes viral you're like why did that anyway and then there's like in the middle where it's like okay it, it represents the brand well enough but it's still UGC enough for people to actually relate to it and that's really a hard line yeah that's a that's something we see a lot yeah i can definitely i can definitely relate to that there's a lot of like you know there's the whole like done is better than perfect yeah right and it's kind of, and uh, it doesn't quite, maybe it doesn't quite apply here, but yeah, you're saying, well, you know, the influencer stuff is, is more genuine, uh, even if they're paid to do it, it still comes across as more genuine. Uh, and you even get reviews, right? So platforms like Akendo, you can get a, uh, you can get a video review from someone. Now, exactly. you know, that video review is likely to be pretty poor quality. Because people and test it. A, a test lot of people it, right? don't know yeah. how to use uh don't know how to take a video of themselves properly. You know, I, I'd be terrible yeah. at it. But the point yeah. is, it works, right? But what what happens in my head when I see you make a terrible video and that video is shown to me, it tells me like this is a real video. Like this is some like be, because the quality is poor, I can trust it more because it doesn't feel like an ad, right? Like when these testimonials are staged and there's a little background music, I, I like my brain knows this is an ad and I dismiss it. Yeah, exactly. When you've got that perfect lighting, you've got that stable yeah. camera, you, uh, it, you know, when you get that aspect of it, which feels like it's kind of set up and maybe, you know, you know, a lot of attention has been put into it. You question whether a lot of attention has been put into the script as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'd rather have you stumble on words, you know, take a one shot video on a shaky cell phone with bad lighting and say like, God, this is amazing. I love this product. You know, was going to drop my phone the other day, saved me from dropping my phone. This accessory is fantastic. I, you know, like it's just amazing, right? I didn't know I needed it until I had it. You say something like that on a raw video and then try running ads on that as a brand and you'll see how, how crazy the results are, right? Yeah. Uh, I've, not, I've not seen this in quite a, uh, quite a while, actually, but you can tell, you can really, really tell when a brand has written reviews for themselves. Yeah. When, the, yeah. <laughs> we, when, when they're so obviously, and it, actually uh, a lot of the time you can tell when it's a competitor's writing a bad review as well, because it's, it's almost written in exactly the same way, but with the opposite uh, words. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. They just go into these, these details that are way too specific for yeah. any customer to ever actually mention. Yeah. Un unless they're like a pro or something. They care about things the customer doesn't even care about, right? And that's where they fall short. It's like, okay, well, that yeah. doesn't make any, any yeah. I, I think I've, I've seen ones which say, oh, you know, uh, it's, this platform's not very good or this product's not very good, blah, blah, blah. I really prefer this product <laughs> because they, they offer X, Y, Z as well. And you're like, there's no way yeah. a customer's written that. There's, uh, there's yeah. no way a customer has written a bad review yeah. of a product they've bought and then named a competitor and named why that competitor is better. I agree. I agree. And not uh, not in the context of that review. I mean, if, if you're really, really pissed off, 
yeah. you might say like, oh, it, this was terrible. I really prefer using... All right, so if I was talking about microphones or something, I might say that, you know, my USB microphone that I used to have was really terrible, uh, but it wasn't that bad at the time. Uh, I much prefer my Blue Yeti, which is what I've got now. Like, so that that's fine. But yeah, it was just the way the review then went into specify like several features and reasons why this product is better. You're like, that's, that's not genuine. But, you know, spam, spam does smell like BS, right? You know, you can just smell it at like a thousand miles away. Even when influencers participate in those engagement groups, right? You've probably heard of these people like, you know, share comments and likes on their posts, yeah. right? And you just look at all the comments and it's all like, it lo- it's all the same person that wrote all the comments and they're just being posted by other accounts, but you can just see it. They use the same words. They over comment themselves, right? I've seen platforms for it, right? I've, I remember seeing one. Yeah. I, I, I Admittedly, I took a look at it a few years ago and um, basically you got everyone into a group and it was supposed to be like, you know, if you're all in marketing, it's this one. If you're all in yeah. whatever influencer here. And then what it did was you connected your LinkedIn account and it would just randomly select one of four comments, one of four or five yeah. comments to post. And so you're looking at like, no, go on. Like, like yeah. I, I'm okay with this sort of thing. If you notify me that someone's posted, I'll go have a look at the post. And if I like the post, I'll engage with it. But yeah. it, it automatically posting for me to say, oh, yeah, and, yeah. oh great, <laughs> great post, David. Like, yeah. And then you see a hundred comments, which are all yeah. great post, David. You're like, mm. yeah. oh, like, you know, with the sketchy, same yeah. the same punctuation and everything. Yeah. It's just like, no, this looks so obviously fake. Yeah, it's all about gaming the algorithm, right? That's really what they're, you know, it's like, hey, you know, let's fake engagement, trick the algorithm to boost more distribution. But yeah, I know which tool you're talking about. And I, it, 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 you end up like, you end up commenting on, on, you know, posts that you're like, whoa, I would have never engaged with this. This is total crap. Right. And I would never touch this. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm out of this. Like that's bad. Yeah, Cause I, I, I can't remember. I don't know if you had to actually submit a post or if it just detected that you'd posted, but there'd be stuff like, you know, so you might give a value post and then everyone goes, yeah, great post. And it's like, okay, fine. Kind of works. It looks <laughs> crap. But then someone would post something different which didn't warrant a great post response yeah but you'd still like, get those comments like a real estate agent <laughs> ad right like hey i'm saying you know, a great yeah. post you know <laughs> yeah exactly uh we've moved off topic a little bit but yeah uh, we're off on that tangent uh, here yeah we can go back to yeah crowdsourcing um, crowdsourcing yeah so how do you see trends moving in in this space really where you know how do you see uh, crowdsource content being used over the next couple of years or so yeah, so a couple of things I see, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, this is where I see the industry going. I see long term recurrent relationships with partners becoming a thing where we're going to be seeing a lot more ambassador programs, people nurturing relationships on years and not weeks, right? Building relationships with a, a small base of strong uh, customers, even, you know. Are there influencers in your customer base? Look at that. Who's an influencer? They're going to, we're going to tone down that number of followers, you know. As long as you bought from us and you want to share with us our our stuff on social media, we'll we'll give you stuff, right? For sure. Yeah. And then I also see like um, this this small kind of cluster of people becoming a decentralized marketing team, a creative team rather for these for these brands, where you know, as soon as you understand that you can tap into the brain of a hundred creative people that understand attention and ask them questions about which trends you should be writing, what products you should be releasing. 
then you understand that you've got a strong edge just because your your marketing teams are burnt out. They're they're just, you know, they're they're seeing tunnel vision and new ideas are just gonna make it much easier for them to build and grow the the company. Um, I also see uh, you know these teams using the 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 kind of uh, creative creative output of these micro creators to power all spheres of the business. Uh, what I'm talking here is paid media, e-commerce experience, right? You need a, a review video for your for your e-commerce page, right? Just you know get one of your creators to create it and then put it on there. And you know you need you need retargeting ads in your in your in your Facebook funnel, right? Well, you know, just have creators create content around that. And you need social media content for your page. So you need gifts of the product features. You need funny stuff. You need, you know, and then name it, right? And you're just going to see brands tap more and more into the fact that you can actually have a small network of creators that are just helping you create that content, giving you insights on the future of trends and what where, what's happening. And then, yeah, that's where I see the industry going. So it's like a decentralized kind of team that can help you drive sales, understand better the future of your business and create content for you. That's where I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes sense. I think it's a really good idea. It's almost like having a part-time, part-time creative team, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. What it is. A hundred brains can perform much better in a creative output way than, you know, one or two brains can because ideas are, 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 are so hard. Once you have an idea, it's so hard to go in another direction completely, right? Even yep. creating, try, try creating content for, from 10 different concepts for your product. And then, you know, it's hard to think about 10 concepts. When you've got your own, your own creative direction, your own biases, it is really, really difficult. Um, yeah, it, exactly. It reminds me of, uh, one of the first episodes I talked to, um, Parry from Frazy an AI copywriting tool. Yeah. And, and he mentioned that one of the, one of the most important things about this tool is it, it saves time, obviously, because it, it will spit out 20 subject lines quicker than you can write two or three. But the really important thing is that it removes that bias, right? Exactly. If, if, if you and I both write a subject line for a campaign, I'm going to think mine's better. You're going to think yours better. We're going to argue over it. And what he said was, you know, and, and I've seen this happen. I've probably done it as well, to be honest. The louder, more like almost like intimidating person is the one who gets who gets their subject line in, right? The thing about phrases is it removes that. So the same with this uh, content crowdsourcing. It means that instead of one person in the company going, I think this is direction, I think this is what the creator should be, you get 10 people externally to all put this content together and then you test it in ads. Yeah, exactly. And you see which, and you see which direction wins. Exactly. And you test it on social media and you test it on a website and, you know, you test it. And then after that, you've got like an idea, oh, this works better, right? And you can keep running new tests like that ongoing and ongoing. And it's just, yeah, it's a very interesting angle. Yeah. Um, something else I wanted to mention, actually, um, I don't know if you, do you know reviews.io, the review platform? I do, but I haven't used them or I don't know, like they're U, 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 USP rather. So you, feel free to educate me on that. So yeah. they have. They have, I, I've not used this yet. I've, I've not actually worked with them, but I've, I've seen it on demo. They have a section in their platform which allows you to identify influencers within your customers. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. So it, it will actually pull out, I think, some of their social media stats, you know, their, their Instagram following or something, which basically then allows you to go through this dashboard and say, oh, we've got three or four people who have bought our product recently. They've given us five stars and they've each got 50,000 Instagram followers. So let's well, yeah. contact these people. 
let's you know let's get them on board let's let's see how we can leverage that more so i think i think that yeah. was a really cool really really cool way yeah. of almost like on autopilot just getting a trickle of these guys through these influencers through because they're just naturally there exactly that is that is a great angle i mean your customer base is the first place to look right and to be fair like i think when i look at that it's just like these people are your brand right they represent your brand they're they they they're like they've already bought from you the content they're going to create is going to be extremely authentic like it's going to it's going to yeah. blow it out of the park for sure so it's the best place to start especially if they're happy right then you, yeah exactly you you only have to ap- approach it from the point of view of oh like we noticed you left a five star review would you mind uh doing a video review for us exactly you don't even have to move it straight to kind of like an ambassador influencer relationship you can just kind of focus your efforts right 80 20 you know Exactly. Pick out those uh those really core people who you know are also going to provide you a good quality video, but it's going to be genuine. And then, you know, for brands, for bigger brands that have tons and tons of distribution, right? What becomes really interesting is that there's already like think of Henneken, right? You know, like think about how many people are creating content for Henneken every day, right? Like just think about that. Think about how many people are posting and, you know, with a Henneken. They might not even be tagging Henneken, but they have an Henneken in the picture. Yeah. And it's crazy, right? The amount of, of users that are creating content around their brand. And that's like, you know, something they have to tap into. They have to tap into those, those kind of users that are essentially like these people that are creating this content around your brand are creating your brand. Like your social media presence is much more these user-generated posts than it is those massive campaigns that you run where everything is is you know everything is is red taped and making sure that we say exactly the right thing that's that's not where your brand is yeah. being built your brand is being built with that user that posts a picture with a Anakin on a boat and then the other user that's in a show that's like you know with a Anakin that that's where it's built it's these users that are carrying the brand on social media and that's yeah i, I do wonder um cuz i think it was Anakin that was in the bond film uh one of the more recent bond films i do wonder how how that film affected I don't know yeah the social media social media for Heineken like how many people started posting pictures with Heineken because it suddenly became associated with James Bond yeah so that's you know that's an interesting thing right you know that that is a good case right so your 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 efforts are driving probably more engagement on social yeah. media and and i mean everyone knows it's a sponsored placement right i think i heard yeah, of course. this might be wrong but i think i heard they paid 100 million for it Oh, I wouldn't yeah, to, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Yeah. Like one beer. I think it was just at the start of the film. I don't think it popped up anywhere else, but really really obvious right at the start of the film. That 100 million probably turned into like 10 times that in brand exposure because people talk oh. about it and people posting about it on Instagram. Yeah, uh, it's crazy the the trickle down effects, right? Of like this this kind of placement. And I wouldn't be surprised super iconic kind of bottle you know yeah. like the the green anakin green you can recognize that from like miles and miles away so i think it's it's a great placement it's just so iconic yeah exactly um so have you got any examples of brands that are doing this really well at the moment in terms of using user generated content yeah. so we work with a a brand called i mean we work with a brand called blue house salmon they're like a salmon retailer in uh, the us they 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 grow salmon inland So they have these huge water tanks where they they grow salmon. It's really interesting brand and all of their content, all of their content on social media is uh crowdsourced to micro influencers and 
it's working really well. It's working really well. We're, we're, we're getting, we have a small network now of dedicated creators to them. We're, we're going towards TikTok as well. So we're creating tons of TikTok assets at this moment. It's working well. These cooking videos are working fantastically well. Um, the playbook is, is, is quite simple in the sense that we're looking at, you know, okay, this month it's, uh, this it's mother's day or this month we're, we need barbecue kind of centric content and so forth. Right. And we, we guide our creators in that direction. So you start and you create an engine around that and it's working really well. Another brand which we're working with is um, we're we're working with uh, um, phone loops, which is a cell phone accessory brand. And a lot of their content comes again from, you know, we, we run for them. We run campaigns like on a different kind of uh, per, 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 uh, per challenge campaign. So we had this one challenge where we had like creators create uh, kind of like a posture where the the creators were just like you know aerialists. I don't know if you know what an aerialist is. They have like these 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 bands that come from the ceiling and they do like all these uh, gymnastic moves. It's it's crazy oh, okay. to see. So we had essentially gymnasts just like take crazy pictures with phone loops and reuse that after that. And branded communications worked amazingly well. Then you know integrated into your coffee routine. So we have tons of people with their phone loop and their coffee, right? And then there's a phone loop that's but first coffee. So work. Make amazingly well on that front too. So yeah, we're having fun with it. Uh, it's working well. Uh, there's, I mean, we're creating a lot of content like on a regular basis through our creators. You can, you know, if you don't want to plug our website, but you can check our website and then in Beat Agency and see the content that we're creating there in the case studies. It's pretty cool to be honest. Like just to see what kind of. I'm always blown away by the quality of the content that these people create for like I am blown away every time. Every single time I look at this content I'm like wow, this is crazy, right? This is just like how much is it worth for a brand this content? And then like I said, you know, if you're working with new creators, we get a lot of crappy content too. That's just part of the game. That's just, you know, we we yeah. we accept it as a cost of doing business and yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, is there any, anything else you want to add about uh, micro influencers or uh, or content crowdsourcing? I think that's it. I think that really covers the gist of it. You know, just think like uh, as a as a way to think about it, like just to frame it, like a, a kind of framework to to operate in this. I I like treat them as an extension of your marketing team is probably like what I'd say is the best framework to operate this new paradigm of of marketing. Just like realize that you can tap into these people. Brain, and if you know how to ask the right questions, for instance, a great question you can ask these creators that are working with you is like, hey, if you were marketing director at my company, like what would you do that we're not doing? Right. And then, like, what are they going to tell you? Give you new ideas? Like, uh, it's crazy what they're going to come up with. They have a different perspective of the world. And these people are have the posts on social media. Yeah. And then, if you were, you know, e-commerce, like if you were in charge of fulfillment, like if you were in charge of rethinking our packaging, like what would you do? Oh, well, there was plastic. I didn't like that. Oh, okay, cool. Like people, and then you see that as a trend, multiple people telling you that. It's like, okay, well, we should think about changing this because people are saying our, our 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 unboxing experience is not that great. So maybe we should look and so forth, right? You can just derive tons and tons of insights and like... Yeah. Crunch that data, crunch that content, you know, put that content in like a Google Drive folder. Don't overcomplicate it. Share it with everyone across your different teams, right? Paid media, email marketing, e-commerce, right? Make sure the whole organization has access to this content and you're golden. You're golden. Your social media calendar, like your social media team is going to love it because they have content to post every time. They don't have to go and like 
look for old content to repost. They always have fresh content off the press and then package those insights as well and, and share them with your, your teams again. Like, hey, here's what, you know, we asked our influencers. Any, any ideas on which questions we should ask and then crunch all the data and package that and give that to your different stakeholders. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay, um, just before we finish then, is there a marketing tool that you just can't live without? I really, really love, and then, you know, this is more like the marketing geek inside me. I really like, I really love Ahrefs, just like this SEO massive tool. I I use it all the time for keyword research and so forth. And then, you know, I'm 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 a spreadsheet junkie as well. I think spreadsheets are... Every new product is like goodbye spreadsheets, hello new, you know. And I'm like, man, spreadsheets when they're used properly, yeah, are extremely powerful. Like, there's a lot of things you can do with spreadsheets. I, I'm a Google Sheets guy, like way more than Excel. I don't like Excel all that much. So yeah, Google Sheets and Ahrefs are probably the two tools that I, I I love the most. Yeah. Also, I think if you are a spreadsheet person, yeah, a lot of these tools just don't do it for you. There's no, always no. There's something missing or they do something in a weird way. And you're like, I know how to, I know how I could put a formula together in Excel for this. Exactly. I'm just going to do it. Uh, it's it's going to be quicker for me. And we've got like, you know, I've got like a, we've got a developer on team. And when we need something more complex, it's like, Hey, can you write this script? Right. Cause we want to do this in spreadsheet. Super easy. Put that forward, plug an API in there. There's always, and just so powerful. Like it's, it's, yeah. So it's low code, right? Kind of low code environment in which you can create pretty much exactly what you need for your specific use case. And it makes it really well. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, if, if people want to find out more, what's, what's the best way of getting in touch? So adding me on LinkedIn, David Morneau, M-O-R-N-E-A-U, sending me an email, david at inbeat, I-N-B-E-A-T dot agency, or, you know, just booking a call with me to geek out or you know, potentially work together on inbeat.agency. My Calendly link is right on there. You can book a call and uh, would love to chat through. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Will. It was a pleasure to be on. If you're going to work with micro-influencers to source content, yes, you should have a certain level of control of the content. If you probably do want them to pronounce the name correctly, you might want to avoid alcohol or gambling content being on display in the image as well. But it's so, so crucial that the influencer does get some creative freedom as this is what will really provide the more genuine content, kind of like UGC, but a higher quality. If you get this right, you've basically got an outsourced creative team who can provide you loads of great content in different styles with different approaches, allowing you to test it all out and find what really works best for you and your audience. A great way to start is to try to identify micro-influencers based on your reviews. If you can see someone left a five-star review and they've got 20 to 50,000 followers on Instagram, reach out to them, get them on board to produce content for you and share it with their audience at the same time. If you're interested in exploring content crowdsourcing more, reach out to David on LinkedIn or via the InBeat agency website. Any other podcast questions, feedback, guest requests, etc., either send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or tweet me at Will Lawrenson. Next up, I've got Saunders Schroeder joining me and we're actually going to be diving more specifically into UGC or user-generated content. But until then, keep those customers clicking. 